Welcome to Mission in Action, the audio experience for Newground, a Muslim-Jewish partnership for change. We are a nonprofit with a vision of an American society where Muslims and Jews are empowered to create lasting partnerships and engage in authentic communication and mutual cooperation. On this podcast, you'll find a mix of our keynotes, workshops, interviews, speeches, and other audio from events led by our team. This week's episode is from Newground's 2012 Spotlight Storytelling event. Our speaker is Yasser Jilani, and his story is entitled, How Do You Remove the Seeds? We hope you enjoy. Thank you for that kind introduction. Now that you've spilled the beans as to what I do, let me ask you guys a question. How do you remove the seeds of an apple without damaging it? Anyone have an answer? Well, neither do I. That's exactly why the servants are there. Um, this question was posed to me by a guy named Tony 23 years ago when I was six years old. Um, Tony and my dad, Aftab, were very good friends. They, uh, they, their friendship was a testament to the bond that they had developed over the, uh, the one mutual passion that they had shared, brain surgery. Um, growing under the influence of these two people, instilled in me this, this uh, curiosity as to what they were engaged in day in and day out over the dining table, over the snooker table, pondering over negatives and, you know, and brought up in very animated discussions. It was um, hard not to get into the riddle of how to remove the seeds without damaging the apple question. And in hindsight, I can see that my, uh, my life was shaped at a very early stage uh, based on the actions of these two gentlemen. All that was uh, dealt with a blow when, uh, unfortunately, at the age of nine, I uh, lost my parents in a tragic car accident on the east side of Yorkshire. Um, at ages nine to 11, birth of family and hope, um, injured but survived, we uh, had to grapple with this um, intensely challenging time wherein we uh, um, had to survive the ordeal and um, also contemplate the means of survival for our future. Um, we had no home, but little did we know that we had a, a wonderful place that we could call home waiting for us, a place that in due course of time would be totally indistinguishable from the, from the home that, I was, uh, that we were physically born into. Um, in hindsight, I, I can reminisce and I can reiterate that growing up in, in the holidays of my foster home was uh, not that different from any other English household. The same old chores, the same old driving to school, turning on the teapot, um, all the same stuff. Get those hideous posters off the wall, um, be back by six, or get grounded for six, same old things. And uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't different at all. Um, however, um, Tony went for the overkill. He somehow felt compelled to inculcate in me the values that he believed his friend wanted me to have. He wanted me to be a pious Muslim. Um, he was successful in that, uh, a testament to that fact, that we are successful, respectable individuals. Both my sisters, Elizabeth and Fiona, are uh, PhDs in finance, and they teach international business operations in the London School of Economics. Uh, uh, Nick and Andrew, their own children, they, uh, they're corporate lawyers, and they uh, bring in cash. Um, Richard, on the other hand, for the love of sports, uh, was the uh, organizing secretary of the, uh, the London Olympics Committee this past summer. <laughs> and as for me, not so glamorous of them all, I, uh, 
had to pop in three tablets of anti-anxiety pills before uh, before standing in front and sharing my story with you grand people. Um, <laughs> uh, that being said, it was a it was a wonderful upbringing, and uh, you know, if I could reminisce over our childhood, I uh, kind of would think that things would have been a lot easier had we stayed at our own home, in the sense that we wouldn't have to have weekend Quran lessons, we wouldn't be compelled in the five canonical prayer sessions, we uh, wouldn't have to observe the stringent fast that we did, and, you know, we didn't have to narrate hadiths, family dinners, and, you know, all those things that um, kind of have helped shape the kind of person I am. Not that I mind that overcompensation, but um, it definitely has a bearing as to who I am today. <coughs> all that instruction, all the heartfelt that we went through. And so, Tony made it absolutely clear that he wanted me to be a very, very pious Muslim. Yeah. And to an extent, I believe he, uh, he has succeeded. He, uh, he uh, is instructed and transformed me to an individual who does try to pray five times a day, who does recite the Quran and study it, who tries to be nice to once and all, who would enjoin good deeds and forbade from evilness, and uh, I've been trying to do my best, but um, all the uh, kudos goes to him. And at times, however, my uh, my mom, my godmom, Heather, would kind of unload on him and ask him to take it easy and, you know, just give us a break, but uh, he was very determined my godfather, Tony Hockley, was um, also a very established neurosurgeon. He was a, an authority in pediatric neurosurgery. He was instrumental in carving child neurosurgery out of the general gamut of general neurosurgery. And as such, uh, being a person of repute, he had very little time to share with us. And uh, in the, uh, the few conversations that we would have over the, the dinner table or at breakfast, he would greatly emphasize on how to value life for what it is. Um, the romantic side he had for his wife, the, uh, the dedication he had for the children he treated, and the love he had for us as kids. Um, to me, he was the, uh, the quintessential personality that I would uh, love to grow up in Emily. It should um, come as no surprise then that I uh, followed his footsteps into medicine and beyond. And uh, when I came to the point that I had to choose a career, I chose neurosurgery and I chose to do it here in the United States only because he thought that the British system was very archaic and uh, two, that um, the place to be for neurosurgery and for the dynamic speciality it had now become to be was the United States. And three, he thought I'd find a better wife here in the United States rather than in England. He's been successful in all those fronts and um, over the tenure of him being the, uh, the president of the International Society of Pediatric Neurosurgeons, got me introduced to a lot of people, and uh, I said I had a lot of connections. But he also wanted me to do it on my own. He, he wanted me to be perseverant. He wanted me to do it the hard way, the way he and Dad had done. And so he wanted to maintain the fighter inside me. On, uh, on the 21st of June in 2009, um, Tony had a massive heart attack in, in Yorkshire, in his home, and uh, he passed away subsequently an hour later. Um, on the way back from Los Angeles to, to his funeral in London, I, uh, um, I would constantly send the things that, nice times that we had together and the things that he instructed in me. 
that my thoughts would wander over this one instance when I would go over his, I just stumbled on his CV and I would go over it and I would look at all the numerous uh, peer review journals, the books he's authored, the, uh, the scientific monographs he published, and the, uh, all his clinical achievements basically. And um, as a young clinician, neurosurgeon, you tend to do the math and say, all right, so how many publications do I need to get out to match his CV? Um, while I did that, I happened to nudgingly ask him as to what he considered his greatest accomplishment over this entire CV. And the, uh, the reply that came is something that I carry with me and something that is uh, carved in my heart and something that I carry very close to my soul. He told me, my greatest accomplishment is you, Yasser. Um, nothing has ever made me prouder. Um, no child can, can say that they prefer to be orphaned, but if I had to do it again, I would definitely prefer to live with Tony. For me, he was my home. Um, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Aftab Jelani, my dad, was a very pious Muslim, and Anthony, Tony, David Hartley was Jewish. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much. I'm Aziza Hassan, the Executive Director of Newground, a Muslim-Jewish partnership for change. Thank you for sharing your time with us today and for listening to this episode of our podcast. At Newground, we believe that conflict is natural and inevitable, yet not intractable, no matter the history. Being stuck is a choice. That's why we build relationships between Muslims and Jews so that they can transform their communities through lasting partnerships. If you'd like to learn more about our mission or support this podcast and Newground's work, please visit mjnewground.org. That's M for Muslim, J for Jew, newground.org. Or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you.